You hear the sound coming from the piano, and it is wondrous. Now, you've heard people play before. You've heard excellent people play, but nothing like this. This one, she is special. She deserves all of the attention, every penny that she is paid to play like that. An entirely different kind of player separates himself from the others because of what he does on the field. No one else is that fast or has hands like that or can move the way he does. It's not even close. Special. That's how they refer to him. Trophies are his reward and glory. We're amazed when we see someone, hear someone, or something that is truly special, unique, one of a kind. We like it. We're impressed by it. If you're treating those truly special people or things correctly, you don't take them for granted, and you don't get tired of them. It was about 730 B.C., and Judah was a country on the brink of war. The land and God's people were at risk. Another conflict waged as well. Judah's king, Ahaz, was at odds with God. In the midst of conflict, a promise came through God's prophet. What Isaiah talks about are truly special things, things that are one of a kind, things that are unique, things that we ought to be continually impressed by, things that we should not take for granted. Isaiah spoke of a special sign and a special savior. And we're not even remotely just talking about a king and his people long ago. These were for you, for me, for all people. Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign for all of you. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Emmanuel. <clears throat> this is one of the best-known prophecies in all of the Bible. Even people who are not Christians, who do not know their Bible, uh, maybe at all, uh, are acquainted with this one. That's because Isaiah's message is one of the prophetical appetizers to the dinner that is Christmas. It whets the appetite. It gets you ready for the real story of pregnant Mary and caring Joseph and a long trip on a dusty road from the north down to Bethlehem, maybe a week long, only to find out there was no place to stay except for a stable. The baby would be born there. The one that is at the center of traditional Christmases. But it's still Advent for another week. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves and talk about Christmas so much. So back to the prophecy that, that pointed in the direction of that Bethlehem birth. <clears throat> it has felt kind of strange to me, I don't know about you, that God gave this promise, this special sign, to a spiritual train wreck of a king who didn't even want to hear it. It was also given at a time when the Lord was discussing with him the international conflict that threatened Judah, the land that he ruled over, the place where Jerusalem and Bethlehem are. I'll be brief, but this is what was going on. To put it simply, King Ahaz was a horrible person. 
He ruled over God's people in Judah, but he worshipped the Assyrian gods, the ones that he sacrificed his own sons to in fire. He was terrified because of these nations that were threatening war with him. Because God is gracious and merciful, and because he had given a promise to bring a savior through the people there in Judah, he explained to Ahaz that he had nothing to worry about from these nations. TV commercials at this time of year have brought it to my attention that I am a terrible gift giver. For example, I have never surprised my wife with a brand new car for Christmas. And I don't believe I ever will. I'm fairly confident that she's never going to wake up on a Christmas morning and need scissors to cut the red ribbon and bow off of it so she can drive her new ride to church. It happens in commercials. It doesn't happen in my driveway. And I'm pretty sure... I'm so sorry, baby. (laughs) I'm pretty sure she knows she shouldn't even ask. How different it was for Ahaz, king of Judah. God told him that he could ask for anything. Maybe not something like a 200 horsepower chariot with a red bow on it, but something, anything that would serve as a sign that what God was telling him would happen would actually happen. So the invitation was to see something miraculous, something out of the ordinary, some special sign to confirm the truth of the Lord's message. God wanted to give him a promise that these nations would not be a threat. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Ask for it either in the depths below or in the heights above. While it can be problematic if we are asking God for a sign or trying to uh, interpret life's happenings to see if there's a sign for us from God for a decision that we're trying to make, um, it's entirely different when God makes you a promise and he says to you, ask for a sign. Ask for it. Ahaz, dishonestly, hypocritically, said that he would not test God by asking for a sign. Well, there was no testing of God to avoid. He was rejecting God and his invitation just like he had rejected God all along. He was a heathen, pagan king ruling over God's chosen nation. Ahaz was as bad as they come when it comes to rebellion against God. But isn't it also true that sometimes we don't want to listen what God, to what God has to say. Isn't it also true that we are sometimes skeptical of God's plans? Isn't it also true that we get frustrated with God because he doesn't give us a sign when we're trying to make these big decisions? Isn't it true that we also become more concerned with worldly things rather than godly things. Oh, we can trust God's patience every bit as much as Ahaz did. All of these things uh, that we do, that we think, these are rebellion against God too. And they are just as damning 
as were the actions of an evil king. Ahaz would not listen to God with a heart of faith. And God's invitation to see him as the only true God whose promises are sure did not sway him. Ahaz rejected God's direction to ask for a sign. And God said, you're going to get one anyway. The Lord wanted there to be a special sign that the people could look for, one that that even went beyond the immediate concerns of, of threatening nations. Why? Because God wanted his people to have a promise to cling to, because he wanted his people to know that he cared so that they could have confidence that there was a solution to their spiritual troubles in the works and on the way. It would happen when God determined that the timing was best. It didn't really matter if if Ahaz wanted to believe it or wanted to know it. God had bigger things in mind. So with prophetic eyes, Isaiah saw what God was planning as the vision shifted away from wars and kings. He promised this special sign. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Emmanuel. When God said, look, it's that same word that you use in other translations, behold. He says, look. He's drawing special attention. He's changing the dialogue. He's expressing this vision of the future, this promise of salvation. There is no doubt that if God was saying that a virgin would give birth, this would be a special sign. God's message through Isaiah was that this special sign would point to a special savior. Ahaz was worried about being saved from threatening nations when he should have been more concerned about being saved from God's judgment personally. He needed this savior who was to come, far more than he needed saving from hostile kings. But he rejected this. The son who would be born of the virgin would be named Emmanuel. The Bible gives us a a number of names, different titles for our Savior. Jesus is one of those. It means Savior. You heard that already uh, this morning. Messiah, Christ, both mean the anointed one. Messiah is the Old Testament Hebrew name that means anointed one. Christ is the Greek New Testament name that means anointed one. Isaiah later uses uh, the title Prince of Peace. All of these names and, and the other ones and these titles offer something special to know about the Savior. And Emmanuel is no exception. It means something. If you didn't know that coming in here today, or if you'd forgotten it maybe, um, you heard it. In the Gospel for today, uh, Matthew quoted this prophecy from Isaiah, and then he added for his readers what that word Emmanuel means. Emmanuel, God with us. There are some extremely important times when it's important to have certain people with us, aren't there? If you want to get into an exclusive country club, you can't just go in there. I mean, unless you're with somebody who is a member, then you can. 
how important it is for a little kid to have grandpa's hand to hold on to so he can walk safely across the street. Peaceful sleep may not come unless mom is there sitting on the edge of the bed until the eyes close. So it is when it comes to our peace and safety with God and the access that we have to heaven through him. The one who is with us came to forgive our sins. Even the ones of of disrespect and doubt and lack of trust and frustration with God, all of the ones that, that resemble the sins of King Ahaz. Emmanuel came down from heaven, born as a human being to live in a sinful world, to defeat sin for us. God with us conquered sin. And like a a warrior going to battle to, to save his country and its people, he paid the price with his sinless life. Different from a dead warrior, though, Jesus rose from death, a special Savior, one like no other. What Jesus did, no one else could do. He is unique. Jesus is special because he came to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. His purpose was to bring spiritual safety to those threatened by the devil's war against them, to bring peace to souls scared because of their sins, to open up access to God in heaven. Emmanuel did all of that. God promises that he did. He promises that by faith in him you are forgiven for your sins and that you will have eternal life with him in heaven. Jesus became God with us so that we could be with God. And please do not miss this. Emmanuel is for everyone, not just for you and for me, but for everyone. Listen again to this promise about this special Savior. Therefore, the Lord himself will give a sign for all of you. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and name him Emmanuel. You caught it, right? All of you? A sign for all of you? You're going to hear that again a week from now as we celebrate the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. An angel is going to say to you, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. For a world full of people in need of saving, Jesus came. He fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy for us and for everyone. Isaiah was God's messenger then. Now it's our turn. It's our turn to share the very same news with those who are around us. And it's easy. Invite them to see what you see. A special sign, a special savior. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
Amen.